Well, hello and welcome to the Goldfish Bowl. I'm Andrew Purchase. And I'm Simon Murphy. You might be wondering why the Goldfish Bowl is called the Goldfish Bowl. Well, basically, it's a metaphor for a goldfish bowl and allowing people to view in through the glass at uh, two fish, a sending church and a church being planted out. So uh, we'd love to let you in on uh, some of the behind the scenes of how a church gets planted and uh, just an open conversation between a church getting sent out and a church that is amazingly sending a church out. This is happening live time. So we are recording these sessions while we're in the process of planting. And as Purchase mentioned, the goal is so that we can have a record of what's happened, but also hopefully allow others to learn from the good things that have happened and some of the mistakes that we've made as well. So we're just going to be real honest and uh, just talk about our experiences and hopefully if whoever you are listening to this, it helps you uh, and inspires you to plant churches and avoid some uh, mistakes that we make, then uh, so much the better for the kingdom. But Sai, why don't you kick us off? Well, I think the story of the ECP, uh, the English Church Plant, probably began a number of years ago when we were thinking through the vision of RHC. Uh, back in 2018, we started to give more intentional thought about how we could really realize our plan to see Asia transformed. And we crystallized that vision in a more succinct way, talking about peoples, churches, and cities transformed by the gospel. And a huge part of that was building up toward planting churches. And planting churches is something that RHC had spoken about since its inception, but had not really put a huge amount of time and effort into um, seeing realized. And with the church where it was in 2018, we felt like unless we made a concrete plans to make it happen, it wasn't going to happen. And so we began to think uh, more intentionally about what that could look like. So that's so probably a big marker. Yeah, so exciting. This whole Telos vision. I remember I was still a lawyer in those days in 2018 and uh, being part of the Telos discussions, uh, getting roped into them. And then I joined the staff 2018. And uh, my little piece of the pie for Telos was uh, thinking through a mission strategy. So uh, Chen and I uh, put uh, some great number of hours together and uh, thinking through how can we actually take this Telos vision and actually roll it out and concretize some of these big lofty ideas about church planning. So we came up with a, a mission strategy. It was a bit grandiose thinking back to it. I mean, how many pages was it? So can you remember? <laughs> I can't, but it was more than 100, I'm there pretty sure. There we go. Yeah, I think it was close to 200, and that was probably with the, or without the appendices. I can't remember. But the, the nub of it was this, was we were thinking in five concentric circles. We wanted our mission to begin with domestic evangelism. Uh, our second concentric circle was church planning. That was a big priority for us. We didn't want... Uh, local evangelism in Singapore to suffer at the hands of, uh, you know, what RHC was doing on the ground in the services in right. the community. That was our number one priority, right, is doing what we could with what we had. But then if we could shoot for even more, plant, plant a church or two or more, even better. And then, but not limited just to ourselves, the third sphere was uh, to actually sow into the nations of the world and be involved with our Resound Network. Uh, and then fourthly, we were thinking of just partnering with uh, other allies in the city. And then fifthly, to have a category for just general kingdom blessing of loving other great kingdom projects out there. So that's how we kind of put Telos into action with the uh, mission strategy. We got the elders on board. Everyone was raring to go. And then uh, what happened next? Well, then we had a global pandemic. <laughs> so we were wondering about when we could get our first church plant happening. COVID, on the one hand, seemed to put a stop to that uh, Churches weren't meeting in person, and that was the case for us at RHC. 
And in a sense, um, I guess we thought that the pandemic could delay our plans to plant significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and that would be a fairly understandable conclusion to reach, given that even now we're trying to rebuild and get folks back to church. But at some point in the midst of the pandemic, we had a sense that after the pandemic, people would probably feel more mm -hmm. comfortable returning uh, after so many months, even a year of not being at church, to smaller gatherings where they knew people rather than coming back mm -hmm. to a nameless um, or a gathering of people with many new folks. And so it was in the midst of those conversations that we began to think instead of COVID delaying our plans to plant, maybe this was um, a somewhat counterintuitive way of thinking yeah. about it was that it could escalate our plans yeah. to plant. And so we began to talk and pray about that together. Yeah, it's, it's uh, quite amazing how God uses crazy things like a pandemic to catalyze some of these works. I often during those days would think of Acts 8 when uh, there was a persecution. Not that the pandemic was a persecution, obviously, but these external factors which then forced right. those guys out to plant in Samaria and so on. So I think the reality was there was a lot of prayer at the time, and it felt like mm -hmm. prayer, our prior commitment to planting, um, strategy, and then what felt like opportunity through COVID all came together where the elders began to pray more and more at some of our monthly prayer meetings. A couple of people had words of encouragement, yeah. and we decided this is something we need to lean into um, in a more intentional way. Yeah, look, looking back, I think a big takeaway I had from this was the great um, base I think we'd had with Telos thinking through that. And I think if we'd hit COVID without all those structural pieces in place, I'm not sure whether we would be in the situation today. That's right. So it felt like there was some kind of a foundation from which we could we could launch. It wasn't as though we were starting the conversation about planting, should we, shouldn't we, what would that look like? It was really that we were committed to it, and now there was opportunity that we could lean into. So we get to a point where we've got a great plan in place. We have what seems like an opportunity, but with tons of challenges. Uh, what happened next? Well, I guess in churches, planting can happen in a number of ways. Sometimes churches um, have a church planter, someone who's very keen to plant, and then they try and convince leaders that they should do this, and then they'll decide, oh, what does that team look like? In our case, we were committed to the idea of planting. Yeah. The elders felt like God was calling us to do so, but we weren't clear on exactly who would lead that plant. Yeah. We had a team of about 16 or 17 elders at the time and other um, elders in training be being trained. So we felt like there was some depth there. And we knew that there would be some elders who would be willing to go on a plant. But I guess one of the big factors was who would lead that. And so we spent quite a bit of time talking and praying, um, exploring yeah. the different pastors on staff. One of them was committed already to plant a Mandarin church, yeah. so he wasn't going to plant the English church. That's you, Ed. <laughs> yeah, that's Edward. And then there were we basically took time to pray and explore. And there were a couple of other pastors that we really seriously, prayerfully considered, discussed, mm -hmm. and spoke through. In fact, even one or two options that we thought were probably uh, quite possible. But as conversations and prayer unfolded, we realized they weren't necessarily the ideal candidates. And I guess one of the first lenses that we were using to think through that was um, ethnicity. Yeah. Whilst we know that God uses all kinds of ethnicities to extend his kingdom, we uh, would have preferred to have had uh, a Singaporean planting out of our Absolutely. HG. And so I guess that's why you, Perch, were not at the top of the list. Um, not because of no offense, <laughs> <laughs> 
not because of gifting or ability, totally, but totally. in terms of ethnicity, we thought for RHC's first major plant, mm. if we could have someone local, that would be great. But as it became more apparent that that was not going to happen, uh, I guess that made us revisit some of our yeah. initial assumptions. And we thought, actually, maybe culture and ethnicity is not such a big factor as long as we send a really diverse team yeah. and that the yeah. lead figure of the plant um, is maybe not elevated into the limelight as yeah. much as he may have been in a different uh, yeah. scenario. And therefore, we thought if we could build a good team, maybe actually God is calling you to do that. Yeah, so yeah. how did you feel when uh, I broached that with you? Yeah, the, the, uh, thanks for asking that question, actually. Uh, so I, I had no intention at all. <laughs> so that's number one. That's the first thing to say. I, um, I was in a strange position where I was motivating really hard for church planting, as you remember, yes. having drafted our 200-page <laughs> <laughs> mission strategy. You were fairly to, committed to the idea. <laughs> yeah, to get it all going. Uh, the elders were on board. The money was there, I think, to kind of pull the trigger. That's the opportunity right. had arisen. There's a lot of things coming together, but I really didn't think it was going to be me. I mean, uh, maybe for those uh, listeners at home who don't know the full story behind me, uh, I, I tried to plant a church once in my distant past. We've been through this before. <laughs> We've <but> been through <laughs> this. Yes. And, uh, and that didn't go so well, and we ended up having to close it. So I was just never a candidate in my own mind, uh, not for lack of, of desire, I think, but I just thought I'm... I really thought a, a local Singaporean should be the one to t lead the charge. And also, given the past and some sensitivities there, I thought, just factored myself out. So uh, one day, Simon and I were going for a walk. Uh, as we do. Uh, as we do, as we do. Uh, and uh, it was in the afternoon, maybe about 5 o'clock, I remember. And then we were talking about who can it be, who can it be, which had been a, a very uh, common topic between us over a, over a number of months. Um, and then out the blue, Simon said to me, well, have you thought of it? Why, why don't you? And uh, I, I hadn't really considered it, oddly enough. I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, uh, a conversation or two later, and here I am in a goldfish bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Perch. Uh, I guess it had been mulling around my mind for a while. I wasn't sure from a cultural point of view. And I think the other factor for me was just knowing the big weight that you carried at Central and some of the portfolios that you had as well with missions and faith and work and some of the other work you were doing. It felt to me like I wasn't, I hadn't quite crossed the, uh, the line in my heart that I was <laughs> ready for you to go at this stage. It didn't, it just felt like a huge loss. And then given the cultural piece, it didn't feel like um, it, it hadn't, was necessarily the right thing. But I guess as we continue to pray, I felt more and more challenged about um, yeah, the, the possibility that God was calling you to do so. And Amazing. so uh, chat out to some of the other uh, elders, got some of their perspective, and then floated the idea with you. And yeah. that's how that began. It, it's, that's actually a good segue to a question which I, I would like to ask you. Uh, you have been amazingly open-handed and releasing and freeing at quite great cost to RHC. Uh, without using myself as an example, but seeing that you brought it up, uh, <laughs> obviously I have portfolios here at RHC, uh, in your words, carrying some weight and some responsibility. And, absolutely. Uh, and, and also foreseeing that other people were going to go, other staff members even, possibly other elders. And I've been unbelievably amazed at your willingness to sow and to be sacrificial at great cost to the institution. Um, how do you do it? <laughs> what what goes on in your head and your heart? Like uh, how? Because I think I think this is just an incredible example. So I think people would love to get a bit of insight into that. Well, I think the first thing to say is that it's certainly not easy, 
and to pretend like it just doesn't matter, I think would um, not be honest. I think the reality is sowing in terms of leaders, elders. I mean, Aiden, who's led worship here for 14 years. Yeah, um, Eugene has been an elder for years. We've got about four or five staff that are planning to go and 160 with kids, maybe 200 people. It really is very uh, significant. And that does feel like a huge amount to lose. But I, I think... Uh, the temptation is to feel like we're going to suffer. Um, we, we as RHC are really losing something significant and God may not take mm. care of us. And, you know, I think of Psalm 56 where David says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust mm. in you. And it's not mm. that those fears aren't there. They, they really are there. And sometimes yeah. they're more pronounced than uh, at others. But I think it's really coming back to what does God tell us? Do we trust his word? That firstly, any potential loss for RHC is gain for the kingdom. And wow. we're not yet trying to build RHC's name. We're trying to extend the kingdom. And so Incredible. even if there is a cost, um, there's a kingdom gain. And then secondly, really trusting that uh, God's blessing will be on our church as we sow. And that doesn't mean that he will necessarily replace people sure. or make us bigger, but that God will bless us through this and help to conform us to his yeah, image somehow. Yeah. So I think those have been probably guiding principles. And I guess seeing God's faithfulness over the years has empowered that. And the final thing to say is, again, it doesn't make it easy, but I think that's where prayer and taking your temptations and struggles in your heart to God and really asking Him to lead, He, he really does give grace and give you a sense of assurance in the midst of it. It's such a gospel and action kind of moment, right? That's right. If it's the very thing that Jesus would do to sacrificially do something for the benefit of others that's right. for a bigger picture and for a bigger kind of cause, if I can use that word. Uh, and I think on, on my side, receiving so much uh, generosity, if I can say that, at knowing that it's costing, it's not just free generosity. <laughs> it really is. I can see the pain, right, as it were. And, uh, and again, being a recipient of Christ is a very humbling thing. So I, th- that's a word I would use to kind of describe it from my side is just, just very, very, very humbled at the generosity and the and the benevolence that that RHC has sown, shown and sown sacrificially. I think one other thing to say in this conversation is that yes, whilst there is cost from RHC, it's helpful to recognise there's cost being paid by everyone involved. So mm-hmm. for you, you're no longer at RHC. I hope there's a little bit of cost to that, and that's not only gain for you. No, totally. It's, <laughs> but it's a scary I mean, thing. Elders that are leaving that have been serving for years, um, and we know for many of the folks that are going on the church plant, they, there's a sense of excitement and vision and mission, but yeah. they're tears as well as they as they lose. And so recognising that it's not as though the cost is only felt by the lead pastor or the sending church, but there's a sense of uh, sowing that everyone is involved in, and yet we're all trusting yeah, that they're yeah. going to be that there's going to be uh, joy. Yeah, such a picture of the Christian life, right? Like a mixture of cost, but a mixture of great blessing simultaneously. Well, I think we've uh, run out of time for episode number one, so uh, we'll call it a day for episode one, and we'll s- see you soon. <laughs>